following podcast is a production of the network. Check us out on BICBP-radio.com. Welcome to the Herd and Ten podcast. Here's your host, Jake Fratinsky. Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of the Herd and Ten podcast. I'm your host, Jake Fratinsky. You can find me on Twitter at jfortinsky NFL. You can also check us out on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Just search Herd and 10 or Herd and 10 podcast and you will find daily content there. We're constantly posting Buffalo Bills related content. So if this isn't enough, if one week, if once a week isn't enough, go check out one of our pages for constant content on the Buffalo Bills. Let's get right into this episode. We have a few different things to talk about. This isn't going to be too long because the second part of this episode, we have an exciting guest in Jordan Vanek coming. He's written and currently writes for Gridiron Rating. He's also a DFS analyst for Rum Boys Robbie. He's also got a show called Chalk Blocked. It's a really cool DFS show. Really good listen. Check it out. Check him out on Twitter also at Jordan Vanek DFS. So, couple things to cover. Firstly, the Bills made a couple interesting signings, signing two more defensive tackles. With an already loaded defensive line, having spent so much damn money on the defensive line, it is interesting that they've gone out and signed two veteran defensive tackles. Now, I don't know if either of these guys will actually make the roster in Eli Anku and Nazare Jones. I believe I'm pronouncing their names correctly. They both signed one-year contracts. Neither of them are super impressive. You have Anku. He's bounced around in and out of the NFL. Now, and then you have Jones, who again also has bounced around, um, most recently played with the Seattle Seahawks, mentions that he totaled 26 tackles, one interception, two sacks, six quarterback hits, and four tackles for loss in 20 games between 2017 and 2018. So he was a third-round pick for the Seahawks. I mean, maybe he pans out. I think with both of these guys, it's really roster depth. I also think it's worth noting that they've probably been brought in because of the Brian Cox Jr. injury. He has a torn Achilles. Now he's gone for surgery and maybe he'll come back. But given that it was so hard for him, wasn't looking good like he was even going to make the roster this year. I think that that's opened up another hole, which is why the Bills are now bringing in some other defensive linemen and seeing if maybe one of them can stick around and be a backup to Star Latulale. I think the hope is that one of them would do that trick. 
And probably Eli Anku is the better fit. He's actually from Ottawa, Ontario in Canada originally. From nearby, from where I grew up in Toronto. And he's got some potential there. And I think there's some hopes that maybe he could be a nice backup to Star Latule. He's got a very similar type of build, similar type of player. So he could be a great fit. Now, the other thing I want to cover today is something that was released recently on USA Today's Bills Wire. And that's that the Bills are ranked number one to win the Super Bowl for teams looking for their first Super Bowl win. I know it's a bit of a mouthful, but basically the Bills, of course, as we know, have never won a Super Bowl. And based on NFL.com's latest piece, they believe the Bills have the best shot to bring home the title in 2021. They write, all in all, The Bills have the necessary ingredients, fantastic coaching staff, astute GM, star quarterback, pass-catching weapons, experienced defense to take the next step and hit the Super Bowl. There are currently 12 teams in the NFL that have never won a Super Bowl, and they believe the Bills are the top dog in that category. I think for the Bills, it's really a now or never type of situation when you look at the bills right now they are built to win they are built to go the whole way to go the distance they have josh allen still on a rookie contract they have all their other top players locked up for the next couple of years now is the time i've said this so many times but if josh allen signs a monster deal and Looking at what the analysts expect, it is going to be a huge deal. It's going to cost the Bills a lot. It's going to hurt them in the salary cap for the next 5 to 10 years. And they kind of need to win before that. It's not to say they can't win later on, but now is the time to go all out and go in big. That's why I was hoping they would go and get Julio Jones and just go all out. Draft a running back in the first round. Go all out. Get ETN or Najee Harris. Go all in. They haven't done that, but they're still loaded. And I'll talk a little bit more with Jordan Vanek about the team and his expectations and guys that he thinks might step up. But at this point, they don't even need guys to step up. They are where they need to be. They have all the stars in place. They just need those stars to align. So that's going to do it for this first part of the episode. And we're going to take a quick break. And when we get back, we'll be talking to Jordan Vanek. And man, he's got some really good stories. We're going to have him on again because he has some other stories that he mentioned after our recording. So we will definitely be bringing him back. But just a little sneak peek. He actually knows Gabe Davis somewhat personally and dealt with Gabe Davis in UCF in college before he came to the big leagues. And he has some great stuff to say about him. He's really on the Gabe Davis train. And I am too. I hope Davis is going to be a superstar. So quick break. We'll be right back. Thanks. 
It's the gift-giving season, and now there's a great card game that gives you action on any televised football game you watch. Just add your family, friends, and fun, and you have The Drive. Playthedrive.com. If you miss The Drive, you miss the party. Playthedrive.com. Hey, Bills Mafia. This has been a crazy year with a lot of changes. Good changes like the Patriots not sitting at the top of the AFC East. But this year has certainly brought some challenges and has made it harder for us all to connect with our fellow sports fans. If you're a big sports fan like me, then you need to join this new sports fan community called Playing the Field. Playing the Field has developed a dating and community app centered around our sports fan lifestyle. It is a great sports-focused interface from their profile trading cards in your favorite team's colors down to their bubblegum in-app currency. The best part is that right now, while they're still in beta, it is 100% free to join. And you also get extra in-app bubblegum that you can trade in when their premium features get added in a few months. Go to playthefielddating.com and sign up now to buddy up, recruit teammates, or find your MVP. Also, be sure to check out their podcast, The Fan Experience, where they interview sports fans just like you and me and let them share their fan experiences. The Fan Experience is live Tuesdays and Thursdays at 9 p.m. Eastern Standard Time on YouTube, Twitter, and Facebook. Or you can catch the replays on Spotify, Google, and Apple Podcasts. You can't have a team without a mate. Go and find one now at playthefielddating.com. Welcome back to the Herd in 10 podcast. I have an exciting guest with me in Jordan Vanek. He's a writer for a whole slew of places, one being the gridiron rating. He does a bunch of different things. He seems to really know his football. I'm excited to have him on. Jordan, tell our listeners where they can find you online. Yeah, I appreciate you having me on. Um, you can find me on Twitter, Jordan Vanek, DFS. That is where you'll see a ton of my content and a lot of things that I'm about on the gridironrating.com. You can go back and see like my journey for DFS. I'm mainly a DFS player, but I definitely include a lot of film work and analytics into my research. And I, I study, study every team. And last year, the bills were, were a good team to make money off of. That's for sure. <laughs> Yeah, definitely. I think, I don't know if they surprised a lot of people. I think Josh Allen in particular surprised a lot of people. Let's get right into this episode. We got a bunch of different topics to cover. One being everything that's been going on around COVID. I want to just start with the Bills just announced today that they're going to be at full capacity for all home games this season. And they've noted a couple differences between fully vaccinated and unvaccinated fans. And that's really just, they can both go to the games, but unvaccinated fans are going to have to wear a mask, whereas vaccinated fans are not. I first just want to get your take on it. If you have an opinion, I'll give mine quickly, which is I think it makes perfect sense. I'm happy that they're allowing everyone. I don't think people should be restricted 
from coming and enjoying the things they love just because they choose not to get vaccinated. However, we know now that the spread is a lot easier when you're looking at unvaccinated people. So I understand why they're going with the mask protocol. Any uh, take on that? I mean, for me, the the only thing I'm very curious is like, h- how do you enforce it? <laughs> like, like, if you know this person sitting in this exact seat is unvaccinated, that's going to be a little tough, to be honest, unless they broke it up into sections, which I'm interested to see how it's enforced. I'm happy that full capacity is what we're going towards because the energy behind the games is just much different. Like you're watching it in these playoff games for the NBA that these teams, you know, are able to have full capacity where the Knicks Hawks series, when they were in the first round, that, that was awesome. Like, Watching game, watching sports with fans makes it that much of a better experience. And for NFL games, it, it's a huge part of the game. Last year was a little strange with the fake noise and the broadcasts and different things. Like, I, I like when you can feel the energy through the stadium and through the game and the big moments. It's so true. It feels like there was something missing last season, and it was the fans. Without the fans in the stands, even if they virtually put people in, even if they add sound from the broadcast or in the stadium, it's just not the same. You're right. There's something special. And it's not just about attending games. Don't get me wrong. I love attending a Bills game when it's a full capacity. But it's also watching the games on TV. It just has a better feel. It feels more important. It feels more significant when you have fans. So I definitely agree. I think that regardless of the vaccination, unvaccinated. The point here is we're going to be at full capacity. And really, I think that's where we should be. I think, you know, I'm actually from Canada. I don't live in the U.S. And we're way behind when it comes to vaccinations. But I understand that once you're at a certain point, you've got to just go back to normal life because this is our new normal. The idea of vaccinated, unvaccinated, there's going to probably be booster shots down the road. This is our new world. And I think at this point, we just have to accept the risk and know that no matter what we do, there's always going to be a risk. And to be honest, there's always been other viruses and other diseases you can catch. So we really just got to live at this point. So I'm thrilled that they're going to be going back to full capacity. I'm excited to hopefully go to a Bills game this season. It was tough not seeing them all year. But um, I definitely agree with you. Having the, the full stadium is really something amazing. And I think we're really going to appreciate it a lot more this season. Now on to the next topic, which is still vaccination related. I feel like this entire episode is so dedicated to the vaccine, but it really it's such a big thing. And specifically with the bills. So Cole Beasley comes out. He basically goes crazy about not getting the vaccine. He even says he'd rather retire than get vaccinated. He obviously doesn't like the new protocols, which basically are restricting players that are unvaccinated and essentially letting vaccinated players live normally. I need to get your take because as a Bills fan, I have my own opinions. I'm curious to know what you think of this. So I believe everybody is entitled to have their own opinion about certain uh, things going on. This is a big topic, and I understand both sides of the argument. What 
um more so like upset is that the nfl is a company it's a private enterprise it's a business if they're going to enforce something and you don't want to be a part of it then that's it if you, if you just if you want to retire and not be a part of it that's the way it should go they're a business they're allowed to run their business the way they want to cole beasley's remarks like social media, you're allowed to express yourself. You're allowed to, you know, use your platform for however you want. And I have no, like, no, I guess, like, hate or dislike, dislike or disapproval to what he said. It's just if he expected to go on Twitter and say something like that and not get the backlash, like he doesn't understand how social media is going to work. Like everybody's entitled to disagree with you if you're on that type of platform. And like, look. He's got millions of dollars. He can totally walk away. I just don't think he's going to be able to change what he wants. Like he's not going to be able to change the rule. And like, that's the NFL is, and they enforce it. They're trying to keep the player safe for what they're seeing. And so be it. Like, if you don't want to, you know, go towards what they're trying to push, then yeah, no, Cole Beasley, every right to retire. Yeah. That, that makes perfect sense. And look, it's it's an open world. It's a free world. He, exactly. He's allowed to say what he wants. It doesn't mean everyone's going to agree with him. And I don't think he should be surprised that a lot of people do not agree with him and his take. Now, interestingly, if he were to retire, what happens to the Bills? Are they in big trouble? Do they have enough guys on that offense that it doesn't really matter? Now, we know... Cole Beasley had an incredible season. He had a career high season and he was clearly a key piece in the bills having so much success and Josh Allen having so much success. Would you be concerned at all? If somehow we're in this alternate universe where Cole Beasley is not on the bills and they don't necessarily have a go-to guy yet that they could just fill in there. Maybe Isaiah McKenzie, do we have a massive drop-off? Are the Bills okay without Beasley if that were to happen? Yeah, Emmanuel Sanders was the huge addition in free agency that he's a crafty slot receiver. And I understand his year with the Saints wasn't exactly what New Orleans fans thought they were going to get out of him. He's definitely on the back end of his career. But Emmanuel Sanders is one of the better slot like route runners in the NFL. He's a great teacher from the videos I've seen of him talking with younger players. And I, I personally believe that with the, the identity of the bills, like, yes, Cole, losing Cole Beasley is going to hurt, but with Emmanuel Sanders and being able to kind of step into that role, they will be fine. And at the end of the day, like, they were able to utilize like Isaiah McKenzie in certain roles. And I'm sure they could still run a similar offense without Cole Beasley in the lineup. They did it when he missed time as well. And I, I wouldn't be, he's not the make or break guy in that receiver room. The, the make or break guy would be Stefan Diggs and having him have, and miss any time is going to be huge to that offense. But with Manuel Sanders there, I think he could just fill right in. Yeah, look, I, I hope that's the case. I hope we don't end up in this situation where Cole Beasley retires. But I think that that makes sense in that he is a key piece, but he's not Stefan Diggs. He's not Josh Allen. He is important, but maybe he isn't that important. 
Not to mention, he isn't necessarily a long-term guy. We know he's at the end of his career. So realistically, even if he's going to keep playing, he's got Mm -hmm. maybe one to maximum of three years left in his career. So he's not necessarily part of the long-term plan for the Buffalo Bills. And I would imagine that, yes, bringing in a guy like Emmanuel Sanders, who can do a little bit of both, can obviously fill in for Cole Beasley and probably put up similar numbers if we really had to. Now, of course, that takes away from some other parts of the game, but you hope that if something were to happen, you do have Sanders now, who I would say is probably a higher level player when you compare him to a guy like John Brown, who the Bills lost. And so I think that they've sort of counterbalanced that really nicely. And if somehow Beasley was gone, they could survive. They could figure it out, especially given just how many other guys they have. They obviously have some rookies or now second-year players who showed up last season and you hope are going to take another step forward, one being Gabriel Davis. What do you want to talk about now? Because just before we jumped on this call, you and I were talking and you mentioned that you were in the recruitment room when it came to Gabe Davis in college going to UCF. I'm curious to hear that experience, what you thought about him before and what you're thinking of him now and moving forward as a Buffalo Bill. So when I was at UCF, that, that recruitment room was absolutely awesome. It was a great, great atmosphere. We had a lot of fun there. Uh, Gabe was on the team as I was there and his energy was always noted. He played so freely and that like his work ethic showed up because he was originally a preferred walk-on if I'm not mistaken when his first year at UCF and he not only walked onto the team he be- he became the team's number one guy in his last year at UCF and performed at such a high level I I worried about certain route running ability with him because of the way we utilized him and specifically just hey you're on the outside, you're going to be running a lot of slants, go routes, posts, but you're not going to run a lot of comebacks. You're not going to be running a lot of this. Like the way we utilize him was limited. And in his first year with Buffalo, like he showed everything you wanted to because the NFL and people kind of overanalyze things to a certain extent where like DK Metcalf for Seattle Seahawks. I don't want DK Metcalf to try to play like Antonio Brown. <laughs> I just want the dude to play what suits him best. And Brian Dable coming over from Bama, I've seen his, the way he utilizes players. He doesn't care if you can't run a certain route. He's like, okay, what can a player do? And Gabe Davis can beat people with physicality and also beat people down the field. So that's what he was doing when he got on the field in Buffalo. And Another key trait that he has is there isn't really 50-50 balls with him. He's a 70-30 type of dude where if the corner's got two is two inches smaller, he's going to outmuscle that corner to the ball. And the playoff game, the sideline catches he made, like I, I've seen him do it in practice. I've seen him do it on um, at UCF. And like it's just it's cool to see someone that you knew shouldn't have been there in the fourth round go to a team that like at first I was scared because Josh Allen was inaccurate his first years in the NFL and the improvement to what he did and gave Gabe Davis the chance you you saw what he can make out of it and 
I'm pretty sure Gabe was leading or had more touchdowns than Stefan Diggs until that Patriots week. And uh, like Gabe Davis is someone that he's, he's dropped a few balls that probably Bills fans want back, but he was a rookie. It was, it was his first season. He's a fourth round pick. He's not, he wasn't supposed to be the guy that, you know, stepped on the field and produces, but now he's going to. And I think the John Brown letting him go, he's going to step into the, clear cut he's on the field majority of the snaps and um i think the only other guy who could really take away from what his role is going to be is the rookie with marquez stevenson because i I think isaiah mckenzie's role is kind of solidified he's going to be used in similar ways like he was last year there's not going to be like that's what he's good at well marquez stevenson at houston when i watched him he he was explosive a deep ball he he got open a lot down the field and he's the other guy who would be a threat to the to the john brown role for gabe davis yeah look it's amazing to hear that get that background in a guy like gabriel davis because to be honest coming in i really didn't have such high hopes for him but obviously during training camp you really started to hear a lot coming from the media that Gabriel Davis, Gabriel Davis. I kept hearing his name. He's making huge catches. He's using his big body. The guy is a lot faster than people realize. And all of a sudden, as soon as the season starts, slowly but surely, he keeps getting more snaps and more snaps. And he starts making big plays. And then, of course, in the playoffs, he just goes off against the Indianapolis Colts. You could argue that he's partially or maybe the reason why the Bills were able to win that game. He made a couple crazy catches that in both scenarios were reviewed and confirmed that they were catches. He kept both feet in, held on to the ball. When you see some of those plays from this guy, you realize he could be big time. I, I think at this point in time, when I look at Gabe Davis, when you look at it, the physicality, his, his stature, and then of course his hands and his focus, he looks like he could be even maybe a number two on the bills to Stefan Diggs. And in some cases, maybe you could argue he could become a number one. But at this point in time, he was expected to be a number four, number five receiver last year. And now I'm talking about this guy, maybe being the number two slash number three, depending on, you know, what type of looks he gets this year, what type of looks Cole Beasley gets, what type of looks Emmanuel Sanders gets. But it's interesting that he is really in the thick of it. And this is on an amazing offense. This isn't on some mediocre offense that doesn't have a lot of receivers. He's doing this on a top caliber team. And he's showing that he can take that another step forward. I want to get your take on one other receiver. And then I'll let you go. But Isaiah Hodgins, to me coming in, he had a very similar sort of resume, I would say to a guy like Gabriel Davis. Now he was injured. He didn't end up playing last season, but he's big. He's pretty quick. He's supposed to have good hands. People were talking about him last training camp that he looked really good. Is there a possibility that there could be almost a competition there that he maybe could be the guy that could take snaps away from Gabe Davis, especially just because of his sheer size, given that him and Davis are probably going to be fighting over red zone targets. I mean, I, I think Isaiah Hodgins, I, I kind when he was coming out, I comped into uh, Kendrick Bourne, who was over with 
the San Francisco team or San Francisco 49ers. And I, I think that, yeah, the utilization in the red zone will be kind of tricky because I think he is a good red zone player. Like he fits a role and he fits a mold that's tough to beat in the red zone because he, he can't beat you vertically. <laughs> he doesn't have the speed. He doesn't, he's not capable of, of like from what I saw on tape, he's not the dude who can run a go route and take the corner of like, you know, one of the tougher teams, but in the red zone, if he's running a slant or even a fade, he's capable of beating someone to the point and boxing them out with his size and creating an open window for Josh Allen to fit it in there. And he showed a lot of sure hands at Oregon State, who didn't exactly have the best of QB play over there. So like, I, I do see him kind of being one of those, I guess, annoyances for like fantasy football fans where he's taking away touchdowns. And for the Bills, I see him as being someone who you get down in the red zone, say Gabe Davis does take that step and it's, you know, say you're playing the Dolphins and they have uh, Byron Maxwell or uh, Maxwell and then uh, or Xavier Howard and Byron Jones over there and they're going up against Diggs and uh, Gabe Davis and then they're double teaming your Emmanuel Sanders or in the slot and Isaiah Hoggins finds his way into the field, he can win his matchup. And like, that's what you'd be utilizing him for at that point in the game. And I, I think it will be an interesting thing to watch because yes, he is going to be healthy this year and you'll be able to see how much, you know, the injury did affect him because people usually downplay, Oh, this guy, you know, I've seen people come back from injuries and it's like, yeah, no, of course I have. But sometimes the dude loses a step and he's not someone who can afford to lose that step especially on a roster that is loaded and he's he's going to be competing with Marquez he's going to be competing with Duke Williams there, there's going to be guys on this roster that it's going to be tough to beat out because it's going to be about how many receivers do you want to hold on to yeah it makes sense you have so many guys and it's really going to be tough it's it's funny when these guys were drafted we didn't realize that our receiving court was so loaded but we've seen now, it's not even just about the top guys. We have so much depth. When you look at the rookie receivers that have been drafted, I'm questioning whether any of them can make the roster. It's going to be really, really difficult. I think at this point, for a receiver outside of the top few to make this roster and actually get snaps, you're going to have to show some sort of versatility. You can't just do one thing. You can't just be there to be a big body and make a few catches in the end zone. You can't just do go routes or anything or just short routes. You have to be able to do a few different things and maybe, well, more importantly, probably, you have to be able to play special teams. I think when you have a team like this where they're also right up against the cap, they're going to look for savings. And if a rookie receiver or a second-year receiver can do a few things other than receive, he's going to be really a great piece for this team because it's going to save the team a lot of money. And I think that that's really where it's going to come down to is which guy can show a little bit more versatility. I, I don't think there's a question that Gabriel Davis is on the team. But when you look at a guy like Isaiah Hodgins, you talked about it. He can't afford to lose a step and he might in fact lose a step. So if that's the case, Maybe he's on the outside looking in, and then you have some of the rookie guys going to fight for a spot. 
I think you're going to have a lot of guys that are really going to be fighting just to make the roster, let alone get real meaningful snaps for the Buffalo Bills. So Jordan, thank you so much for coming on. Great to get that story about Gabriel Davis. I didn't even know that about you before you came on. That was really interesting. I'm glad you brought that to the table. So thanks again. Really appreciate you coming on. Go Bills. Yeah, no, thanks for having me, man. It, it was it was a blast. Uh, my, like some of my friends are even close with Gabe when he comes down. They'll go golfing with him and a few other things. So he's not he doesn't have a good golf swing. I'll, I'll be completely honest. This golf game needs some work. But yeah, no, I appreciate it. If anybody wants to give me a follow and see the DFS content, you'll see it from me. But I, again, love being here. <laughs> love talking football. No, for sure. Look, if, if Gabriel Davis doesn't have a good swing in golf, that's okay. As long as he keeps catching the ball, right? Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Thanks a lot, Jordan.